So let's open our Bibles up to John chapter 8. It's been three weeks since we were looking at the Gospel of John. We're here in this moment of John chapter 8. As we pick it up, we come back into verse 21. Jesus is back still at the Feast of Tabernacles on the last greatest day of the Feast of Tabernacles. He has just stood up in front of everybody there in front of the treasury and said that I am the light of the world. Then he had this confrontation with the Pharisees immediately following that. And now we come into verse 21 where he's continuing in that same moment, as far as I can tell. In that same moment, right off the heels of this intense controversy with the Pharisees, complaining to him about him bearing witness about himself, he comes into this statement in this paragraph where he talks about being lifted up. And we'll take a look at that. So let's start by reading verse 21 through 30 of John chapter 8. And so he, Jesus, said to them again, I am going away, and you will seek me, and you will die in your sin. Where I am going, you cannot come. So the Jews said, Will he kill himself, since he says, Where I am going, you cannot come? He said to them, You are from below, I am from above. You are of this world, I am not of this world. I told you that you would die in your sins, for unless you believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. And so they said to him, Who are you? And Jesus said to them, Just what I have been telling you from the beginning. I have much to say about you and much to judge. But he who sent me is true, and I declare to the world what I have heard from him. They did not understand that he had been speaking to them about the Father. So Jesus said to them, When you have lifted up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am he, and that I do nothing on my own authority, but speak just as the Father taught me. And he who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone, for I always do the things that are pleasing to him. As he was saying these things, many believed in him. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you, Jesus, that you willingly gave yourself to be lifted up on the cross so that we might be made whole and clean in you. Thank you, Jesus, that you came and told us who you are and have given us your life and your righteousness so that we may be children of God. And that is what we are. And I pray, Lord, as we walk through this paragraph of John's gospel and listening to the words that you have said that you spoke that day there in the temple, I pray, Lord, that you would just open up our eyes and our ears to be able to hear the things that you would have us to hear, to comprehend them with our minds, to believe them with our hearts, and to embrace them with our souls. May it be so, O Lord, because we desire to be good children who are obedient to our Father in heaven and receive all that you wish to give us. In Jesus' holy name, amen. So when Jesus talks about this idea of I'm going away and you will not seek me, 
it naturally raises the question, where is he going? Where is he headed to? And Jesus makes it clear to these persons standing there in the temple that Jesus is referring to his returning to the Father in the heavenly realm. Now, I don't know about you, but that just seems like a random statement. Okay, we're talking about you being the light of the world. We're talking about you being a testimony about yourself and I'm going away and where I'm going, you can't come. What? Where? What? Where'd that come from? Wait, how'd we get on that? How did that? How did we? Jesus, did you just change subjects on me without telling me you were changing subjects? In one sense, he did. But in another sense, he did not. Because he's telling them where he's going because they can't go there with him. That's the reason he's telling them that he's going there is that they can't come. They can't go. They can't do what he's doing. They can't be where he's going to be because they don't believe. They cannot go to the Father because they don't believe in the Son. Jesus is just reminding them and showing them again that the only way to get to the Father is to believe in the Son. And this idea that I'm going away and you will seek me, but you will die in your sins and where I'm going, you cannot come. (sighs) There's an element of sadness to this. Here is Jesus standing right in front of them, offering them life, life eternal. And they won't take it. And they're going to die in their sin with the hope of salvation right there in front of them, him offering it to them. How sad. They could have gone with him. They could go to the Father if they just believed in Jesus. In Jesus, who he says he is. Well, then just who is this Jesus that he says he is? Who is it he's saying that he is in this place? Well, this passage has the echoes of Isaiah chapter 65 reverberating from it. Isaiah chapter 65, verses 1 and 2. This is God speaking. I was ready to be sought by those who did not ask for me. I was ready to be found by those who did not seek me. I said, here I am, here I am, to a nation that was not called by my name. I spread out my hands all the day to a rebellious people who walk in a way that is not good following their own devices. This is Jesus saying these words. This is God the Father Almighty speaking in Isaiah chapter 65, speaking through the prophet Isaiah, and here these very words being lived out in this moment. Here is Jesus standing right there in the middle of the temple in front of God and everybody, saying, Here I am. And they still won't receive him. At least not the group that's confronting him. Which really becomes fascinating because at the end of the day, this whole conversation with Jesus and them about where he's going is more about them and where they are from than it is about Jesus and where he is going. See, after they accuse Jesus of being a false prophet and a false testifier, 
Jesus turns the tables on them in this passage and makes them the accused. He goes from the defendant to the prosecutor. He goes from the one being accused to the one making the accusations. See, he now becomes their judge because he tells them, you will die in your sins. And why? Why are they going to die in their sins, Jesus? Why? Because they continue in their disbelief. They just continue to deny that Jesus is who he says he is, who he is showing himself to be. The giver of life. The very person speaking to them in Isaiah 65, I was ready to be found by those who did not seek me. They didn't seek him. He went to seek them first. And they still would not receive him. So they're going to die in their sins. They're going to end this life without the forgiveness of their rebellion against the Father because they would not believe and receive Jesus. It's just that simple. You would think on the surface, it's got to be more complicated than that. There has to be more to it than that. No, it's not. It's just that simple. Just like everyone who refuses to receive Jesus and trust in him and his work on the cross, you die in your sins. I would have died in my sins if I hadn't turned to faith in Christ and trusted and believed in him. Jesus is showing them here that this their continued disbelief just results in their continued separation of God. That's why they can't go to where Jesus is going because they're separated from God and that gulf, that chasm cannot be traversed by mortals who do not receive Jesus. And that separation just continues. And it's terrible enough that the separation continues throughout eternity. But even in the days that they had living on this earth, their separation from God had its consequences too. There's no joy. There's no delight. There's no peace when we're separated from the Father. And that's what they're facing. And Jesus is offering them the chance to come back. But Jesus is who he says he is. Because here in verses 25 and 26, when they said to Jesus, who are you? And he says to them, just what I have been telling you from the beginning. I have much to say to you about and much to judge, but he who sent me is true. And I declare to the world what I have said. Verse 24, I am he. I am he. John's using a play on words here. Because he's alluding to this idea that Jesus is being the word in the beginning. Like at the very beginning of the gospel of John, when he makes that statement, that in the beginning was the word. And Jesus is alluding to that idea here, but from the beginning, I've been telling you who I am. But it's more than just that. Because Jesus saying from the beginning includes more than just the beginning of this four or five day period of the temple feast as well. It includes more than just the beginning of the Gospel of John itself. 
And while this paragraph is not one of the six I am statements of Jesus in the Gospel of John, it still echoes with more than a hint of the I am in it. I am he is still dripping with the great title I am, just as it was a few moments earlier when he says, I am the light of the world. And I can point to Isaiah 45 to support my claim. Look at verses 18 and 19 of Isaiah chapter 45. For thus says the Lord who created the heavens, he is God, who formed the earth and made it. He established it. He did not create it empty. He formed it to be inhabited. I am the Lord. There is no other. I did not speak in secret in land of darkness. I did not say to the offspring of Jacob, seek me in vain. I, the Lord, speak the truth. I declare what is right. Jesus is claiming his righteousness and his truth and stating who he is. He is who he is. He says, I am the one who has been speaking to you from the beginning. And I am the one who is here to deliver you from your sins. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of light. Whoever believes in me, as the scriptures have said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. He is the life giver. And he is offering himself to them in this moment. And it would be wonderful if all of the saving work of Jesus was accomplished as he stood there in the temple that day. But unfortunately, it wasn't. In fact, it wasn't accomplished until he was lifted up on the cross. And so then he brings this idea in to really start to get them to understand what it means. He must be lifted up. When the Son of Man, verse 28, when you have lifted up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am He, and I do nothing on my own authority, but speak just as the Father taught me. Here's the irony in this passage. The Pharisees and the religious leaders, they want to get rid of Jesus. And they decide that the way to get rid of Jesus is to crucify him. And it is then that they have actually lifted him up and exalted him. In their attempt to get rid of him, in their attempt to humiliate him, in their attempt to discredit him, they actually exalt him and lift him up on high. Because it is through the crucifixion that the Father is able to exalt Jesus through the resurrection. And Jesus ends up being exalted and lifted up because he does the Father's will. And so do we. When we do the Father's will, we are exalting Jesus. It's just that simple. What do I do to exalt Jesus? Do the Father's will. Do what it is He's called you to do and do everything that He's called you to do. It's just that simple. It may not be that easy, but it is that simple. And so often when we look at these passages 
in the Gospels of Jesus and his confrontations with religious leaders, all we see is the rejection and the unbelief. But then John, just oh so nonchalantly, almost as an afterthought, drops in the statement of verse 30. And as he was saying these things, many believed in him. Wait a minute. John, are you, did you just, many believed in him? We spent all this time focusing on those who don't believe in him? And there are some who did? Even though it just sounds like an afterthought, I think it may be the most important sentence in the whole paragraph. Because despite what the religious leaders were saying, despite what they were doing, there were people there listening and they heard Jesus say these words and they believed in him. They actually were like the people God's describing in Isaiah that wanted to receive him. And remember, this is all the more fascinating to me too because just a few minutes earlier they wanted to arrest Jesus but they couldn't do it because it wasn't his time. So first off, they want to arrest him, but they can't. And now on top of that, many are believing in him. It's like he has the ultimate victory here. They want to put him in chains, but they can't do it. And oh, by the way, I'm taking some of the people and they're believing in me at the same time. They believing in him, even though their belief is incomplete. They don't have to understand Jesus perfectly to believe in him. They don't have to understand everything that it means for Jesus to be the I am. And neither do we. What is required is to believe that he is who he says he is. He is the savior of the world, the deliverer and redeemer of our souls, and the one who sets us free from our prison cells of sin and death and living an empty life. Remember, brothers and sisters, salvation isn't just about our time we get with Jesus in heaven at the end of our lives. It is also about living in joy and contentment with him here in this life too. Even in all the miserable parts of it, living in contentment with him. It's all right. So what? What do we do with this? Simple. Knowing Jesus is knowing salvation and deliverance. Brothers and sisters, remember this. Never forget it. There is no other name by which we may be saved. Our rescue, our salvation, and our redemption is by faith in the work of Jesus Christ on the cross and nothing else. It's just too easy to forget that. And yes, our salvation is sure when we believe in Jesus. But sometimes we fall into the trap of thinking that, well, you know, Jesus did a lot of work, but I'm doing pretty good. No. There is no other name by which men may be saved. There is no other person shed blood that can redeem us and make us whole again. And there is no other person's blood that can redeem us and make us whole again when we've made ourselves unwhole in the course of our life. 
We make mistakes. We screw up. And we need to be washed again. We need to be cleansed. And there's nobody but Jesus that can do that. Nobody can make us clean when we make ourselves dirty. Nobody but Jesus. He alone is our hope and our salvation. And Jesus, He is the Lord and there is no other from Isaiah 45. There is no other. There is no other. He is Lord and there is no other. And He is our great deliverer from Isaiah 65. And His call of salvation is still open today. It is not a closed door for those who do not know Jesus until that day that they are put into the grave. Then and only then is the day closed. But until that time, there is still the opportunity. And because there is still that opportunity, we speak the name of Jesus and we pray for the salvation of those whom we know are separated from Him. And we stand on the truth of God's promises that He is our Deliverer. In our culture and society today, there is a desire for anything but Jesus as our Deliverer. And we stand as a church, we stand and confess that there is no other name by which men can be saved except Jesus. Not that there's no other name that men are saved, there is no other name that they can be saved except by Jesus. And that's my plea to you, brothers and sisters. Stand firm on your own conviction that Jesus is your Savior and proclaim that to all who ask and give them no other hope but Jesus because there is no other hope but Jesus. Let's pray. Lord, thank you. Lord, I pray that if if there is any there is anybody in this room today, Lord, that has not put their faith in you, is not completely trusting you and your work on the cross, Jesus, for their deliverance and salvation, I pray that today is the day they would turn to you and trust in you fully and completely. And for those of us who have strayed away from our trust in you and began to put our belief and our hope in other things, we pray, Father, that you would once again gently remind us that our hope is in Jesus and nothing else and draw us back to you as the loving, kind Father that you are so that we may have perfect fellowship with you again, enjoying you and enjoying each other. In Jesus' name, amen.